Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. Hey, do you need a financial coach? If so, let's work together. As a coach, I help you get structure around your finances, visualize your ideal life, whatever that looks like for you, and more importantly, put together a strategy to help you get there. A lot of people hire me because they want to pay off debt faster and more efficiently and boost up their savings or increase their credit score, and those are all awesome goals. Financial coaching just helps you because I hold you accountable the entire way. Yeah, for better or worse, we're kind of like we're married. So if you want to take the podcast concepts that you're learning here and apply those to your life with my help, then you need to apply for coaching at WhitneyHanson.com slash customized dash coaching. Once again, that's WhitneyHanson.com slash customized dash coaching. I am so stoked to work with you and help you reach your financial goals. What's up, money nerds? I hope you had a great holiday. And now we are officially ready for episode two or part two of this end of year wrap up series. Last week, we covered a little bit more about how to start dreaming again, and how to assess your progress in certain categories via a life audit. We also discussed how to find those gaps in your life and using that rule of 100 to help you improve just one category in the upcoming year. Now, if you didn't catch that episode, go back and listen to that one. It's just the, the episode right before this one. It's the end of year part one, because it does kind of build on each other. And we, we will have one more episode after this to kind of wrap up this end of year series. So let's go ahead and dive in. So this week, we're going to be a little bit more tactical. We're going to be analyzing our financial progress and doing kind of a financial reflection. So here's how we're going to do this. We're going to do this in six parts. Now, these six parts have been very intentionally chosen to help you get a more holistic picture of your finances instead of just thinking about just like your income and your expenses. I want to see everything. Like we really want to assess how we're doing as a whole. So to do this, we're going to start with our financial goals assessment. What I want you to do is I want you to hopefully pull out a notebook or your budget template or whatever the heck you have and look back on your life. Last year, this time last year, what were your goals that you set? 
What were those things that you said you wanted to work on? And ultimately, did you accomplish them? Now, this is where the drama in our brain comes in, because we have so many reasons if we didn't accomplish a goal, we're like, oh, well, here, here's why and here's why it didn't work out for me. And here's, you know, all the things that came up. Now, some of that is fair. We all have stuff that comes up and we all have things that have impacted the way and the ability to accomplish our goals. That's super, super normal. But what I want you to do for this one is kind of take off that emotional hat for a second and just look at it fact. Actually, did you accomplish your goal? Yes or no. And then what I want you to do is I want you to throw away that list because it doesn't even matter anymore. It's a new year. It's a new you. We can get to create any new direction that we want, which I think is so exciting about this time of year. But what I want you to do is I want you to start creating some new financial goals. However, here's the kicker. If you listen to this podcast, you know I'm a big fan of this. I want you to only create goals for three months at a time. Why three months? Because the stuff that was important to me last year, by the end of the year, it didn't matter that much. Like some of the goals were still important and some of those I didn't really care that much about. And I'm sure that you are similar. And so the reason we're going three months at a time is because this is going to give you freedom to create your year based on what's important to you instead of just trying to stick within this box that may not even be realistic solely because you said it was a goal for this year. You know what I mean? Like we all go through this too. So that's why I'm such a big fan of that three month period. The other reason too, is I think sometimes we really overshoot what we can accomplish in one year. We, for some reason, think we can accomplish all the things in just one year. And sometimes we can, but most times it's not necessarily realistic. I think a lot of times we really underestimate what we can accomplish in five years, but overestimate what we can accomplish in one year. So going three months at a time really gives you a more healthy approach to your goals and allows you to change and pivot as needed instead of being so rigid with a 12-month goal. So that is the goals assessment. Look at your goals. What did you set? Did you accomplish them? Why or why not? Trying to take that emotional side out of it and then creating some new goals, but just for three months at a time. Okay, now the next assessment that we're going to do for our finances is an income assessment. To do this, I find the best way to do an income assessment is to grab your previous tax return and then look at your numbers that you're going to be submitting in for taxes soon. So maybe this is your current W-2 for the previous year, like whatever it might be, I want you to grab however you track your income. Now, if you're a business owner, you could go over to QuickBooks, you can pull up your Excel spreadsheets, you can grab I don't know, your journal entries, and you could like just look at this stuff, like how much income did you expect for this year? If you're behind on your bookkeeping, now is a great time to get caught up on that because you have to do this anyways. Like you have to submit your taxes, you gotta go through this process. And so what I want you to do is when you have that information in front of you, what I want you to do is just do a simple comparison. The previous year versus the current year. How much did your gross income, not your net, your gross before tax income, how much did that increase or decrease in a one year time frame? So write that amount down. Again, we're not tying any emotion to this. We're just looking at this stuff factually. How much did your gross income increase or decrease? And then I want you to do a little bit of journaling here. Why did your income increase or decrease over one year? What was going on in your life? This is where you can pull in the emotions. What was going on at that time? And ultimately, don't let yourself feel bad about your income increasing or decreasing or don't don't give it any more meaning than it really needs to have. I'm just more curious for you, why did that number change? That's all we're doing. We're just looking at it very 
unemotionally and just doing a quick assessment of how did your income increase or decrease over the past year. Okay, once we have that done, then what we're going to do is we're going to move on to the next part or the next assessment. And that is the expense and lifestyle assessment. Now, this is a tricky one because so many times we don't recognize lifestyle creep until we do this exercise. And then we start to see like, holy crap, no, I I totally get what's going on in my finances. My expenses have increased by this much over the course of a year. No wonder I'm feeling more of a pinch, even though my income is increased. Like some of this stuff is super, super normal. But here's where I like to start. I like to start with the big three categories. The big three categories in personal finance is your food, your transportation, and your housing. Those are the big three. So what I want you to do is I want you to look at your expenses. So write down how much was your rent or your house payment a year before. So one year prior, how much were you paying? So you could even just like pull up your your statements or anything and just see like how much did you pay in rent? How much did you pay in housing for December of the previous year? And then I want you to look at this year, how much did you spend or pay in housing? And then what I want you to do is I want you for this year to add up all of your housing expenses. Okay. So let's start and keep this really, really simple. If you've never created a budget and you don't have that data in front of you, just go off of your rent or your house payment. So what you're going to be doing is you're going to be looking at how much did you pay in total for your housing costs for this year. Now, when I say this year, this is the year you're doing the reflection for. I'm recording this in December of 2022. So I would be looking at all of 2022, how much did I spend in housing expenses? Now, ideally you would take this a step further and you would also incorporate your utility costs, any house maintenance, like all of that kind of stuff would be included in this so you can get a really good idea. But at a bare minimum, how much should it cost for you to live somewhere. So that's what you're going to look at first. Now, the next piece is your transportation. So this would include things like your car payment. If you have one, it would include your car insurance and it would include gas in your car. Now, same thing. It's going to take some time to really add all of this stuff up but it really gives you an idea of how much you're spending. So we'll talk about why that data might be useful in a minute, but that's how you would calculate that portion too. Now, again, if you actually are diligent with budgeting and you're practicing all the principles we talk about pretty much every single week in this podcast, you probably have that data already available. If you don't, please use this as a good reminder to get on a budget and track your spending because this stuff matters so much and it helps you make better financial decisions for your life now and in the future when you have that data in front of you. But if you don't have it, just do the best that you can. You're just going to do a little bit extra elbow grease, a little extra work there, and you're just going to go through and try to find this as much as you can. It's going to take some tallying up, but you can do it. Once you have your transportation costs in front of you and you can start to see how did that change over the year and ultimately what the number was for the previous year that you're working on, the next thing that we're going to assess is our food category. I like to view the food category in two different categories. I like to view eating out and my groceries as totally separate. Why? Because we all have to eat. We don't all have to eat out. Like I I think somehow we have convinced ourselves that eating out is a necessity. It is not. It is fun. It's enjoyable. I like it too, but it's not a necessity. If I lost my job, that's like the first thing that's going to go. And so I want you to kind of add up all of your food budget for groceries and for eating out for the entire year. Okay. So add it all up to see how much it was. 
And again, if you have the data for the previous year, pull that information in there too, so that you can do a really good comparison of how much things have changed for you over the course of a year. So those are the three categories I want you to spend most of your energy and attention on because those big three categories, if you can reduce some of those, or you can understand how your money is going into these three categories, you will usually save more money on your overall budget and you can invest more, save more, whatever the heck you want to do, spend more money on vacations if you can get those three categories under control. Once you have those in front of you, I love asking my coaching clients this question because I think it's so fun. What did you spend money on in the past year that was totally worth it? You dropped some cash there and you were so happy that you did. When you reflect back, you're like, you know what? I don't regret that at all. For me, that's always travel. Anytime I spend money on travel, I never regret it unless I'm traveling. No, even then I never regret my travel. (laughs) Honestly, I don't. But there are certain categories where I thought I would enjoy spending money on it. And it really didn't bring me much joy actually at all. And so I'm sure that you have some of those too. So what was something that you spent money on in the past year that was totally worth it? And what was not worth spending the money on? Once you have those written down, move on to the next question, which is what are your top values? Now, when I say values, a lot of times people think that I'm meaning like, oh, my family's my value, my my church or my spirituality is my value. But I want you to go a little bit of more of a financial approach to this. So think about the things that you claim are very important to you that would impact your finances. So for me, I'll give you a personal example, my sense of adventure, my value for adventure certainly impacts my budget. Like no doubt, right? Because I'm spending money on travel. I'm spending money on hiking and backpacking. I'm spending a little extra gas money in the summer so I can go hiking. Those things definitely impact my finances. Another one would be my health. This is an interesting one. I'm going to be real open with you. I claimed that health was one of my top values for 2022. That's what I claimed. When I go through these exercises, what I found is that my health, while I said it was a value, was not necessarily a value when I was working on other projects. So when I was building the geodome in the mountains, what I noticed is my health kind of went out the window. It was all about getting the dome up and running. And instead, I was doing more eating out. I was doing not so healthy food. But why that's important is because I claimed that was a value for me, yet my spending was not in line with my values. So therefore, was it really a value? Probably not as much. And that's okay. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But I think it is important to see that your spending, whether you like it or not, is a direct reflection of what you claim is important to you. And sometimes what we claim is important to us is not really reflected on our spending. And so sometimes I find a lot of people when they don't enjoy how they're spending money or they don't feel like they have enough money to do the things that they love. It's probably because you're blowing money on crap that you don't really love. It's not truly a value to you. There's nothing wrong with it. You can change your values. You can change your spending. This stuff is very, very easy to adjust. You just have to make that decision and actively practice it. Now, when you're doing a lifestyle assessment, this is another important piece that I think has to be considered or at least documented in some way, because the whole goal of this is we're trying to learn from historical 
practices and historical data so that we can do better things with our life and we can slightly improve every single year so that we're not just staying stagnant. Or remember from last week's episode, if you're staying stagnant, then you're actually going backwards. You're not growing if you're staying stagnant. And so the reason why we collect all this data and we analyze it is because we want to be the best versions of ourselves. Like that's no surprise. I think everybody wants to excel in their life in some way. And so the only way we can excel is to make better decisions with the data we have in front of us. So with a lifestyle assessment, what this entails is really looking at your life and saying, what has changed about my life that's different from the previous year? Maybe you started dating and this is a new expense for you, right? Like dating ain't cheap, man. You got to pay for dates. You got to go out to dinner more. Now, okay, to be fair, do you have to? No. Are you going to? Yes, most likely. And so that has probably impacted your budget. Or maybe you recently got married and what you're finding is you and your partner are spending more time at home and you're doing more cooking and trying to do more like cutesy romantic evenings together to really keep that spark going because you're really prioritizing your newfound marriage. That's awesome. Like there's nothing wrong with that, but that does affect your lifestyle. Maybe your lifestyle change is different. Maybe you actually started to go back to school and now you're in the midst of school and your income has decreased. So therefore all of your budget categories have decreased quite a bit. That's a lifestyle assessment. Now this is very important because what I find is when you do that lifestyle assessment and you look at your holistic life and how that has impacted your finances, you find a lot of patterns. I found that not this last year, but the year before, I actually went through a little period of not quite depression, but like a funk. I was just in one, man, and I could not get out of it. And therefore, that was impacting my finances. Now, how it was impacting my finances was different. It actually was affecting what I did and did not spend money on. What I found is that I was like, oh man, I don't want to eat. I was just like stressed all the time. And so what I found myself doing is I was not spending as much money on groceries and being a little bit more proactive and meal prepping, but I was doing more DoorDash and Uber Eats. And to be fair, when I say this, like my my eating out spending is normally less than a hundred bucks a month. Like I just, it's just not a priority for me. I just don't spend that much money on food. But at that time in my life, I was spending like 150 to 200 a month on eating out. So that was something that for me was a, a cue that there was something deeper going on. And the only way I really knew that is for me, like, yeah, you feel different, but when you see the numbers, it starts to really force you to look at that and say, oh my God, here's what's actually going on. This is why I'm doing Doing what I'm doing, I need to look into this a little bit further. Maybe I should go to counseling. Maybe I should, you know, take more walks throughout the day. Maybe I should just really buckle down and start prioritizing my health. Whatever your situation is, when you see that number, it can be almost a little scorecard that tells you, yo, something is going on in your life. Pay attention here. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but that's what I personally find for myself and for a lot of my coaching clients is that most of the time our emotions are directly reflected in our spending. And so having that documented is really important. Now, the next assessment that we are going to go through is your net worth assessment. So what this is going to entail is your overall net worth. If you've never calculated this before, it's actually quite easy. You're going to write down all of your assets, which is basically things you own, And then you're going to write down all of your liabilities, which is things you owe. So what you own minus what you owe tells you what your net worth is. So let's put some like actual numbers to this or not numbers, but categories. You'll have things like cash in the bank. 
You'll have things like your savings account, your emergency fund. Maybe it's your travel savings account, the Kelly Blue Book on your car, your house value. What is your house actually worth? What is your grandma's antiques that she gifted you? What is that worth? All of those types types of things are going to be included. You're also going to include your 401k, your IRAs, any of your investments. If you have any crypto investments, you'll include that. Your rental property. All of those numbers are going to be included in your assets or what you own. Then on the flip side, all of your what you owe is going to be stuff that is primarily debt. It's your credit card if you have a balance on that. It's your house loan balance. It's your car loan balance. It's that loan that your dad gave you to help you buy your first house. Like all of that stuff, IRS debt, student loans, any of that type of debt is going to be included under the liabilities. And when you subtract the two numbers from each other, what you find is you're either doing okay, maybe your net worth is good, it's positive, it's growing, you're content with it, or sometimes you're at a negative net worth. That is very common for most people that don't have a lot of assets yet and are just getting out of college sometimes or had some crap things happen in their life and they took out a lot of debt or you have a lot of credit card debt. This is normal. So for a lot of people, getting to a net worth of just zero is a huge feat. So I don't want you to ever kick yourself or feel bad if that's your situation. It's just something to know. Again, just write it down, document it, and then you're going to update this every six to 12 months, ideally every six And that's going to give you an idea of what your net worth is. So that's the first part of your net worth assessment. Now, the next part of that that I want you to dig into a little bit deeper is your debt pay down. How much did your debt increase or decrease over the past year? So same type of thing. If you're not really sure, you can log into something like Credit Karma and you can look at your balances for a year ago. If that's a little bit like you don't have that, you don't want to use that, you could just log into each of the individual accounts and see what were the balances as of December of the previous year. Then compare those to December of this year and ask yourself how much did it increase or decrease by what percentage, by what dollar amount, write both of those things down. And then lastly, the number that I like to include under my net worth assessment in this category as a whole, I like to look at my savings rate. So my savings rate is in a very simplified form, the percentage of money that you save every single month. So let's say you automatically put aside 20% of your income into your retirement accounts, and you would include your 401k contributions in this as well. So how much money are you putting aside into your future? your investments, essentially, savings and investments. That simple percentage rate will tell you a lot about your finances. That kind of tells you almost an indication of the health of your overall finances. If you're finding that your savings rate is only, let's say, 3% and you're just getting started, your goal is to actively increase that amount so that you're saving more and more of your income. Now, the easiest way to save more and more of your income is to go back to that income assessment that we did and say, how do I increase my income even more so that my lifestyle doesn't have to change, but I can still put aside a lot of money. We see this often when you see those articles online that talk about, I'm 35 years old, my save, I save 80% of my income and I can retire tomorrow. That is generally a reflection of not how hard they're working, but how high their income is. So don't always feel discouraged when you see that kind of stuff. The goal is to focus on your own finances and ask yourself, how can I do just a little bit better to be 
in a better situation for myself. We are all just trying to do those small incremental improvements. It's not the drastic things. It's just the how do I be a little bit better? How do I do 1% better for myself? So calculating your overall savings rate is an important number to have in front of you. Now let's go into the next assessment that we have to go through, which is the upcoming year. This is your yearly projections assessment. What I want you to do in this category is really write down and think through what are some things that are going to impact your finances. Here's some things that might impact them. Getting married, buying a house, getting divorced, a rental property, Maybe you're moving. Maybe you plan on taking a sweet vacation for two weeks. Maybe you are thinking about having kids or adopting, or maybe you have to now take on the role of caregiver for one of your aging parents. These are all things that are going to impact your finances. So I want you to write those down and to the best of your ability, calculate what does this mean for you? Some of these are easier to do than others. I think that's why having a financial coach is helpful as they can kind of talk you through these different scenarios and say, okay, what is getting divorced? What does that actually mean for your finances? Now, how do we, how do we use this for yearly projections? So sometimes it can be really helpful. And once you have that, all of that information in front of you, I think that's when it's time to bring in a tax professional. What I want you to do is I want you to go to a certified public accountant. These are the only people that are truly qualified to give you specific tax advice. And so these are the people I want you to to chat with and really start to build out your financial team with. What you're going to ask your CPA is if there's anything that you can do to save money on your upcoming taxes. You're going to show them the different scenarios. I mean, they're not going to care about the vacation unless you're a business owner, right? And then you can write off a portion of your vacation perhaps. But generally speaking, the bigger ones, getting married, buying a house, a rental property, moving, kids, taking care of a parent, Those are all ones that could have tax implications. And so you might want to chat with your CPA to see, how do I save money on taxes? Is there anything I can do here that would make sense from a tax perspective? So those yearly projections really help with with that information so that your CPA can see kind of a more holistic picture. Here's the crazy thing about taxes. Think of all the things that we spend on taxes. Like just think about it. federal income taxes. We have state income taxes. We have car taxes. We have sales tax. We've got property tax. I was kind of curious and I had to look this up. It's going to be an article linked in the show notes if you want to see more of a breakdown. But I found this to be so fascinating. The average American pays $480,407 in their lifetime. So almost half a million dollars over the course of your life in taxes. Now, this is not just your earnings tax, your your income tax. This is like all taxes combined, almost $500,000. The average of earnings spent on taxes over the course of a person's life is 34.49% of your earnings are spent on taxes. Again, check out this article. I thought it was so fascinating. It's going to be linked in the show notes. But all of that to say, you are going to spend a ton of money over the course of your life on taxes. And I'm not anti-tax. Like I, I think taxes are fantastic. It goes to some really great benefits and programs. However, you don't want to overpay on taxes if you have a choice. And that's why you really have to try to optimize and chat with a CPA to see what can you legally do to reduce your tax bill. It's not unethical. It's actually very normal. And I think that we should all have a CPA on our financial team. 
Okay, let's go on to part six of your assessment. And this one is kind of a fun one. It's a little bit tricky to do, but this is getting drastic assessment. Now, why we're doing this exercise or this assessment is because what getting drastic and training your brain to do this is that it starts to show you that you can fix your situation and it might even spark a bit more creativity. Now, this is just an exercise. None of this stuff has to be done in practice, but I do want you to really start to think through these scenarios because it trains you again that you have control, you have choices, you have options. And sometimes it's really hard to see that, but I love doing this because I mean, I literally do this all the time. I'll be driving and I will think about things all the time of like, how would I reduce this if I really needed to? What would my life look like if I went back to school? I'm constantly thinking through drastic scenarios all the time to see how would this impact my finances. So here's how it works. I want you to start with those big three categories once again, housing, food, transportation. And I want you to think through very drastic changes in each category that would help you reduce that amount. So let me give you a personal example. My car is paid off. I buy my cars in cash. I drive them until they almost break down or until I'm ready for something different. I buy another car in cash and I move on. So because my car is paid off, I also work from home. So let's think through like a drastic scenario here. Could I actually sell my car and become a single car household? Like, what would that look like for my life? How would I get around? Would I do public transportation? Would I have to Uber more? Would that actually save me money? Like, what does that look like on paper? Here's another drastic scenario. What if I actually sold my car and bought an even cheaper car and I had a little extra cash? What could I do with that money? Could I invest it? Could I put that as a down payment on a rental property? What would that stuff look like? I think this is always an interesting one to do. So that's the car situation, the transportation. The next piece I want you to think through is your housing. Now, again, remember the point of this exercise is to get drastic and think through really random scenarios that you would probably not enjoy doing or would seem like a total shift or your parents or your family or friends would give you the side eye like no other. That's when you know you're on the right track with this exercise. So for housing, same thing, personal example, I have a three bed, two bath house, right? It's very, very standard. I have a family of two. (laughs) It's like Tony and I, that's it. And so I actually have two spare bedrooms. I have one bedroom that's my office and one that is kind of our exercise room. So what if I instead said, I don't really need an exercise room and I'm going to rent this room out on a long-term or short-term basis, what would that look like? That's kind of drastic, right? Like I'm 34 years old. I'm not really looking for roommates anymore, but that would be an interesting exercise that would definitely reduce my housing costs. Or what if instead I rented out my entire house and I found a studio apartment that I could just rent for Tony, myself and little Shiloh? That would be a drastic, right? Maybe that would even give me a little extra income every month. Who knows? What if I built an accessory dwelling unit or like a little studio or mother-in-law cottage is another name in my backyard and rented that out? Also kind of drastic. I don't want to share my backyard. I don't want people coming and going every day. But the point of this is not to diminish what's possible. It's to see that there are options, Just because I don't want to exert that option doesn't mean I have to do that. 
But at the end of the day, it's an option that I get to have. Here's another drastic example to think through. If you've never had a credit card or credit card debt is like not an issue for you, or you just don't even use credit cards, skip over this one. But what I do know is a lot of people do use credit cards, even if they're doing it in a healthy way. Sometimes it can be borderline unhealthy in the way we use them. So what if you never used a credit card for an entire year? What would your life look like? How would you approach your day-to-day spending? These are all things to think through of how you could get drastic in your own life. What if you were drastically trying to pay down your debt? How would you do it? Would you get a second job and work like 70, 80 hours a week? How would you go through this process to pay down debt as quickly as possible? Could you call your parents and ask to move in? I would like never do Again, drastic. I would personally never do this, but you know, that's the point. It's to show you that you do have options available. So how would you pay off your debt as quickly as possible? The next scenario I want you to think through with getting drastic is with your income. I want you to think through two specific scenarios. What would you do if you needed to increase your income by 50% in the next year? How could you do that? What are some options that you could pursue? Now, on the flip side, what would happen if your income got cut by 50% and for some weird reason, you couldn't live off of your savings and you were not able to increase your income, how would you survive? What expenses would you cut? How would you make it work? Why are we doing this drastic exercise? Because when you go through it, it shows you that you have so many options available to you if you're willing to see it. The only reason that I bring this up is because sometimes we get in a really rough financial spot and it's sometimes hard to see that we have options. What if going down to a single car household actually meant you weren't going to be stressed about paying that bill every single month? Or what if by renting out that spare room, it actually meant you could keep your house and you wouldn't be going into foreclosure? Sometimes I think we have to think really drastically to show ourselves that we can have a different life. It just may not be worth it to us. For me personally, I probably will not rent out my spare bedroom. I really like my privacy and I really like my space. It's not something I'm willing to entertain at this time. That doesn't mean it's right or wrong, but what it does allow me to see is that I'm purposely choosing not to make some choices to better my life because it's not worth it in other categories. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it is important for you to start to see you do have so many options. It's just up to you on whether or not those are the right options for you. That was a lot. Six categories, six different assessments to go through that will help you get a better idea of where your finances are headed, what's important to you, what's not important to you, and even what you could or could not do to better your future. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know these were exercises that I personally went through and really enjoyed. I thought it was a really fun way to just wrap up the year and see what my next steps are going to be financially. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you next week for part three and another episode of the Money Nerds podcast. Bye.